0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Are Murder podcast featuring
1: me, Chandler Osbecker. And me, Aaron Williams. Did you forget for a second? Yeah, I forgot. I forgot my name. It's uh, some sort of, I don't know, rock and roll amnesia or something. I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that, that uh, David Crosby album is like, if only I can remember my name or something like that.
1: It is, yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm quite on his wavelength, but uh, maybe, maybe I'm closer than I imagined. I don't know if anybody's. No. On, I don't know if anybody's on the wavelength of 1971, David Crosby, though. Am I right? Am I right? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're
0: probably a nicer guy than he was, but um, with all due respect, you're probably not as cool at all.
1: Also, I take no, no, no disrespect taken. But today's is gonna be a rock. Rock and roll type type of day
0: um, because we we didn't record right after the doffers Bull win over Bowling Green because it was you know the days after Christmas and you know it just life was not going to really make sense for for us to do it and now we're a little bit removed and the season is over um, and there are some you know small news items that we can touch on but uh, I think it'd be better. Um, because I don't think there's a lot of mileage in there. We can probably punt that a week or two down the line. And uh, you and I showed up today, not really sure what we're going to do. So we just decided we're going to do what we do uh, every January. We just talk about the albums that Chandler listened to in the year 2023. Mm -hmm. Uh, Except in prior years, of course, it's minus one year, not, you know. We weren't in 2020 talking about the chan- the albums Chandler was going to listen to in 2023. <laughs> that would be a, a next level bit, but this is going to be much more straightforward. It's not the shortest list we've ever done, because I think one year I was at 28, mm-hmm. and this year I only got to 30 of them. I thought about cramming in another couple in the last week of December, but just didn't. Um, so we're going to run through the 30, and um, unless you have any... Final word before we do that, we can just head right in.
1: No, ready, ready to roll.
0: Okay, well, number 30 then is uh, Sorceress by Jess Williamson. Um, Jess Williamson, for those of you who have been paying attention to the space uh, in the previous 365 days, uh, we'll remember her from the... Plains album that came out in 2022, uh, I Walked With You Away's, which was a collaboration with Waxahachie, um, which is um, there are rumors of a Waxahachie album being released very soon, by the way.
1: Yes, I saw. Very, very pod. Very, very pod friendly if you saw the rumored collaboration. Or not. I, rumored, I did Confirmed collaboration.
0: <laughs> I did see that. Um, but anyway, so so Katie Craftfields. Um, from Watahatchee. She's from Alabama. Jess Williamson is originally from Texas. Um, And when we saw Planes, they each played some of their own stuff, you know, separate from the album they put together. And I thought, well, let's go listen to Jess Williamson. Um, And this isn't the album that she put out in 2023, which I saw got some good reviews, showed up on some year-end lists. This is, uh, I think, her most recent one before that which, as you can probably tell by finishing last out of my 30, I didn't really stick to at all. I remember more, I mean, I gave I it probably three or four tries, and it just kind of bounced off me. She has a good voice. I wasn't really taken by the lyrics. There's one song on there that I remember sort of feeling like a kind of in-the-ghetto-y type, well-meaning but not quite on-the-mark sort of social commentary song about uh i think illegal immigrants to the united states but yeah it's kind of a slow sort of atmospheric record which is a bit different than i was expecting um, having heard you know uh, a very strong country album come out last year but uh those those are mainly my thoughts about this record i don't suppose you've heard this one
1: I haven't heard this one. Um, I like her. I mean, as a, as a, as a singer, and like you said, I I really like enjoyed that show and the Plains record. So, um, I probably will check out her work at some point. Um, but yeah, that's about all I have to say about it, is that I I do I do like her. Um, even if, I know what I guess I don't really have anything negative to say. But uh, <laughs> but I, she she seems she seems she seems cool and uh, worth checking out.
0: Number 29 on the list is Celebrants by Nickel Creek, which one of my friends told me was probably his favorite album he listened to this year. Uh, It's sort of a progressive bluegrass thing they've got going on. I understand it's a concept album, and which there are songs that very directly link to one another, Um, but I was not so locked in that uh, all the links connected with me. Um, I thought it was impressive, but it also the sound just didn't really click for whatever reason. The the vocalists weren't bad, but they weren't, like, you know, enchanting to me. The Some of the playing was was really cool, but, you know, there was nothing that was overly catchy or overly wowing to, to make me continue going, which uh, a lot of people really loved this record. It showed up on some year-end lists, and... um you know, being bluegrass, I'm sure Aaron has some thoughts on it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad I'm glad it's I'm glad you're taking a foray into the Thewayverse. Verse. I think Nickel Creek is an interesting band. Um, certainly, in their generation, which was like a, sort of in their commercial peak. I mean, they were a really important band as far as getting new, withdrawing new listeners into bluegrass. You know, capturing a younger audience, um, and you know they all they've all grown artistically a lot. And I think this album does is a good snapshot of sort of where they're at. The big sort of almost like you know orchestrated stuff, which is a lot of the kind of stuff that Thea does and the Punch Brothers. I do I like their voices. I like Sarah and, and Sean, and they're they're playing. And I and I I do think Thea, I I I just like I just like listening to his playing. I mean, he's he's the best mandolin player in the world right now. Um... Even if this isn't the most, you know, you know, it, it's pretty, it's, it's, say what you will about it, but it, it's pretty tasteful as far as the playing goes, right? It's not like going to slap you over the face with, you know, crazy, crazy runs or anything. But yeah, I thought the songs were just, they're, they're, they're fine. Um, there, there were a few good ones that I, I have. It's how you said, ho- put a holding pattern as your first. Um, that is a song that I like. Um, I've got it kind of stuck in my head right now as I think about it. Uh, But overall, as a set of songs, I think it's just kind of okay. I think they've all, I think everybody involved has work that has more captivated me. Um, Especially that the Punch Brothers stuff at its best is really, really cool. And at a time was really, really innovative, sort of building on the innovations of, I don't know, maybe of of, of Bela Fleck or something in terms of, you know, building, fusing classical music, pop music, bluegrass music rock music jazz whatever um but this album you know it adds to the collection but i, I don't think it, in time i don't think it'll be a an essential philae listen. is my a, a opinion i think with that now, said, um, yeah what we're gonna say well just for for the uninitiated
0: could you define a philae
1: so Chris Thiele is the leader of the, of Nickel Creek. Um, well, it's, it's really, it, it is a trio. So it, it's Chris Thiele and, um, Sarah and Sean Watkins. Um, and Thiele is sort of the, the one, I guess, the, I don't want to say like the lead in this band, but he's, he's the best mandolin player in the world. He's a founding member of this band, also founded the Punch Brothers, um, replaced <laughs> Garrison Keillor on, uh, Prairie Home Companion, um, a lot, a lot, a lot of accolades. Um, I think one of MacArthur Genius Grant at one point. Um, so the Thieleverse, I would refer to as his sort of wider body of work, and which is pretty pretty expansive at this point, is pretty influential. And so he's just kind of a as big a celebrity, I guess, as you can be. <laughs> playing progressive bluegrass, I would say. Um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of my thoughts on it. I don't know if you have anything else, but that's kind of where I'm at with it. Uh,
0: my only remaining thought is um, you, you folks at home can't see this, but I do have ratings that I assign to every album, and with time, I've become a lot more flexible as to what each album deserves. Um, and so there will be there are multiple probably about a dozen or so albums I have with worse ratings than celebrants. Um, but I, you know, ranked it second to last as the 30 albums I listened to because I do think that there is more quality than um, that ranking would suggest just for whatever reason, it didn't quite work with me.
1: Well, I'll take, I am hoping, uh, I don't know, there's some joke here. Blue Ox announces their lineup on Friday, so maybe we'll have more Nickel Creek content uh, at at one point or another.
0: 28, In Time's New Roman by Queens of the Stone Age. This is the newest Queens of the Stone Age record. Uh, I have not listened to the debut, but, you know, everything else, I would probably say this is the worst Queens of the Stone Age record. Um, not unsalvageable or anything. My esteem for it did improve, uh, especially after seeing roughly four of the songs live. Um, but I would not say it's their best work by any stretch. I don't think there's any song on here that in 10 years will say this is, you know, because I feel like he, these legacy rock bands, and I think the Stone Age is in that part of their career now. Um, Sometimes they will have late career releases where there are one or two songs that will become fan favorites that in 10 years you can say, oh, that was a really good song. And I don't think there is one on this. I, I think even with villains, you could probably pick out a couple that uh, to reasonably make that argument. Um, I, I like villains significantly more than this. Uh, you could point to the way you used to do, Feet Don't Fail Me um and like a haunted house evil has landed you know there there are multiple picks and i think this the sonically was kind of in an era vulgaris space the sort of like it feels a little more stoned a little more dirt baggy kind of more on the the low end i guess uh or or just it it feels a little i don't even know what the the proper way of of describing the mix would be but it's it's not quite as much on the high end as villains or and, and not really as serious and expansive as, like, clockwork. In fact, I, I would say the lyrics are probably a weak point, which I you don't listen to Queens of the Stone Age for the lyrics, but there's a certain, like, sheen of cool that I think the post Oliveri era of Queens of the Stone Age still maintains um, in large part because the lyrics, you know, have these cool terms of phrases, these, these jokes, you know, a, a certain sense of humor and, and style. And it feels like it's sort of escaped on this record where there's a lot of wordplay for wordplay's sake. Like there's a song called um, What the People Say. And that says nothing. Like you, you, in the context of the song, it doesn't matter. We've just, we've rhymed people with Peephole, and you know it's kind of edgy, so therefore it's between the Stone Age album, uh song title. So I don't know if you listen to this one and have any takes,
1: but yeah, no, I mean I don't have much to say on it. I I thought it's 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 okay. I mean it's it's kind of a vibes record, you know, where it's just kind of heavy and dark, and you kind of get the idea right away. And going back to it, I haven't gotten much out of it. I think you're right about the last one. I think that one grew on me, and I think prior to that the catalog is mostly bulletproof. So I think I'm, I'm in line with your assessment that it's probably the at least the one that I care for the least um, as of, as of right now, who knows, maybe it'll grow on me, but yeah, I don't, I don't care for it uh, nearly as much as, you know, you know, white clockwork, air vulgaris, radar, certainly not you know, songs for the deaf. Um, yeah. But good, good band. Glad they're still, Around, I guess, is something you can say about rock, you know, old rock bands. Just glad they're, glad they're doing their thing.
0: Yeah, and if you did it a chance to see them live, do it, because I thought their live show was pretty great. Yeah. At 27, Southern Accents by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. This one didn't make much of an impact. I think the two songs I listed as my two favorites, which were Rebels and southern accents the tile track were probably the two that survived to my playlist there might have been one or two others but um it felt a little too 80s i was kind of hoping when it's a song uh, an album called southern accents there would be a, a bit more of the sort of country flair that does show up on some tom petty records and it wasn't really there but um you know you're you're a fellow petty appreciator perhaps a more experienced petty appreciator and i just you know, uh, I'm sure you have some thoughts on at least chunks of this album.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's OK. I mean, it's one that it, for me doesn't have many songs that I go back to. Um, the petty catalog is just so deep. There's going to be a few duds in there, you know, and I, 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 I don't know if, again, I don't know that it's a dud. I, I, maybe there's some people that, you know, think fondly of this album. Um, but I think compared to especially what comes... Sort of in the in the late '70s, early '80s, and then in the, obviously in the '90s, and like the Rick Rubin stuff and everything else is uh, superior. I don't think a lot of these songs made it into the you know the legacy, the the legacy playlist, if you will. So yeah, I I don't care for it that much. I will say, the Drive By Truckers have a song called Ever South, which is really sort of poignant um, reflection on. Southern identity as they are want to do. They, they On one of their tours a couple of years ago for like this album, American Band, they did that and sort of interpolated Southern accents and that was really cool. Um, <laughs> but other than that being kind of a cool cultural touch point, I don't know that this album has really ever stuck with me in any meaningful way.
0: At number 26, we have We Salute You and You by F. F spelled E-F, they're, uh, I, I remind myself what country they're from. It's one of the Nordic countries, um, Swedish, they are Swedish, from Gothenburg. They are a post-rock band, and so that means we, I mean, post-rock feels like one of these terms that could be very widely applied, but uh, in, in the case of this, you would say it's it's these sort of big swelling orchestral things, without really getting into power metal territory, um some launder songs, some some really big moments. Um and you know, but it's still kind of rock, but not really. I I I found this one very impressive, but I, I think within a month of me listening to it, it dropped from the rotation. Even though there are a couple songs on here including uh, him of and Apricity, that were were really, really cool to me. And, and if they come on, I will still listen to them. But I struggle to think of more than those two on the album that really stuck out to me.
1: I feel like post-rock and shoegaze and maybe some like post-metal, too, I feel like they're genres where a lot of times just it, just really cool stuff happening. Sometimes the songs just aren't like at that level, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like sometimes it's just not memorable enough, you know, like there's a great, you know, you could do it again. I'm, I'm a rock fan. I need hooks, you know, I need something, you know, since I guess it can be uh, awesome textures, awesome guitars, awesome atmospheres, awesome vibe, you know, even awesome composition. But uh, again, if the songs aren't there, they're not there. That's just a general observation about post rock sometimes.
0: Yeah, and I I do think if you are into this sort of thing, like there is ample material for you. Um, like as someone who likes progressive rock, there is stuff in here for me, and I'm sure if I gave it another listener or two, um, I would come away thinking, yeah, these guys are really good at what they do. But at the same time, like you said, it, for 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 like the way we listen to music now, um, where everything is mixed together, um, it is more of a, an occasional it pops up on a on a playlist and you're like sure we'll do it this time but like it's it it kind of um there's no hooks you know? <clears throat> it's much more about the the big swelling thing and the and the larger um uh, the larger instrumental piece although there are obviously you know vocals on this album so so i i think it's good i wasn't so into it that um, it's higher on the list, or that I'm listening to every F album now. Number 25, American Heartbreak by Zach Bryan, which I feel like I, I can probably give Aaron the floor for a moment to to talk about.
1: Yeah, yes, this is obviously Zach Bryan's uh, breakthrough. Um, he'd had a couple, he'd had some YouTube hits and stuff before this, but this is the album that sort of propelled him from sort of all the country upstart to um, now stadium headline US bank stadium headliner. Um, really, really wonderfully successful album. Um, as far as I'm sure it sold like 5 million copies by now. Um, one of the stories of the year the year it came out. Um, so that's as far as the cultural impact sort of goes. And like I said, he's now a household name. So I know he's happy with this record. As far as what the record is, um, it's a very long record. It's like a triple album or something. You know, it was interesting. I was looking to see what your favorite song on it was, um, to see if it was it's to see if it was gonna sort of correlate to mine. I have a few favorites on here. And then I was like, Of course it's not. The song the is thirty-five songs long. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not only gonna... thirty four. I'm sorry, thirty four. Thirty three and then you are my sunshine, which is not, not doesn't really make sense, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like the record. I really like certain songs. It is inherently with the 34 song album, as we've talked about a lot, you know, it's like, you're going to have, if not even some duds, you're sort of going to have, you know, some songs that don't work or just are sort of meh, um, verging on filler. Um, I, I don't think this, I don't think this album is an exception to that. I think it's good I think the best songs on it are great, or in my opinion, my favorite songs on it are great, you know. Um, My favorite songs for what it's worth are probably some of the more upbeat songs. I do like the hit, you know, Something in the Orange that has 500 billion streams. I do like that song a lot, uh, if only because I've heard heard it a zillion times. But also, The Outskirts and Younger Years, which are sort of nice up-tempo kind of almost heartland rock songs um i think that's a vibe he does well but i think what most people say about this record people that connect to it um maybe we've talked about this before with him it's like people use the word relatable a lot with with zach bryan like it's very it's very comfortable a little worn you know it's kind of raw even the new one that came out this year is pretty raw especially when you consider it's like a in the commercial strata that it's in You know, it's something that a lot lot of people have, you know, connect, connect, connect to easily the emotions and the sound and the songwriting. And I mean, you know, he seems like a, you know, gives off the vibe of a kind of like a cool dude. I know there's a story behind it and all, but uh, that's, I don't know, sort of my thoughts. Yeah, it's a really long record. It's now without its imperfections. uh, It's one that I do do enjoy, though, Um, although I'm beginning to enjoy parts of the next one, I think, as much. Um, and there's even some songs from earlier that I, I, I like a lot, so Too Long, Didn't Read, uh, Good for Zach Bryant. I'm selling a billion records.
0: <laughs> I didn't really know what to do with this album because I listened to it exactly once this year. Mm-hmm. And the reason I listened to it exactly once is because it is two hours long and I decided the time to do it was on a long drive to Madison. Yeah. And even even in that setting, which should be like the perfect place to listen to an album, it's just too much like <laughs> I, I was I was probably two thirds of the way, and I thought, surely we're almost done, and then I looked down at my phone when I stopped to get gas, and i got another ten songs left, and I have no idea how yeah um like it it, it to me the the biggest strike against this. And I will get to like the good things about it in a moment, um, which includes what you were talking about. But you need variety, and there's just not a lot of variety on this album. Like you, you need to justify the the two hours we're spending here. And um I, I think Zach Bryan is a good songwriter. It like he he has the red dirt sound, but unlike the average red dirt I've heard um like he actually knows what he's doing and he's not just writing the crappy pop song you know it's not to say it's not catchy or anything but i i, I do think some of the song structures were a little repetitive at points now, none of the i mean I, i'm not expecting him to put out a big you know fill side with prog country or something but um well,
1: I, I think that coming later on the list
0: We will. Yeah. Um, But like sort of. um, He does this thing where like he he repeats the Taurus, but with everything dropping out before he goes into the last Taurus and plays it like normal, you know, like he drops his voice a bit. There's no drums. He he maybe like simplifies the the riff or whatever into like, you know, the, the most Spartan version of it um or like just two chords or it it just it feels a little rote and that was already kind of a a trend in music that i i've gotten a little tired of yeah i I think he's a really good songwriter um i i got one of my friends hooked on zach bryan uh just you know telling about this this album which i again i I think it's good it's just too much i can't listen to it again (laughs) Uh if I ever do, it'll be in like three different sittings, um, because it's just too much, too much. Um and, and again, I think it was a little one note, but um I I I did listen to his single with um I guess it was probably an EP actually. Yeah, he had um a song with with Justin Vernon on it that's pretty decent. So um yeah, I I I have nothing against Zach Bryan. Just you know, if if you're gonna be two hours long, make it worth my time. <laughs> at number twenty-four, we have Big Time by Angel Olsen, which is one of the most acclaimed albums of uh, twenty twenty-two. I got a few of those on this list, including American Heartbreak. Um, and uh, I, I I wanted to like it more than I did because it is very pretty at a lot of points. These um. It, and it, it occupies a lot of the the same space as other albums on my list this year, which is, you know, sort of alt-country, lots of pedal steel on this album, lots of sadness on this album. And at times, it really hits. Uh, and I, I think Big Time is a, a really strong Bob Dylan song. <laughs> but uh, And in fact, there's a version of it with, with Sturgill that uh, I just found out about this morning. But... But I, I would say decent chunks of it came and went for me. Not to say it's bad or anything. It's it's good. Just uh its highs were were better than the rest. And I, I'm not sure if the highs, you know, hit like a a point where I really, really need to listen to, you know, this on repeat or anything.
1: I don't have a super strong opinion on this album. Uh, I know people like her a lot, um, and I've liked a few songs at different points. Um, but yeah, I no no comment. I would cede that one seed that that one to you and tell you you're absolutely correct <laughs> with your assessment that I haven't really I don't know haven't spent much time with that. So I'm saying.
0: Well, you've probably spent some time with this one, number 23, the Notorious Bird Brothers by the Birds.
1: Actually, I have not. This is a Birds oh. album that I have not spent much time with. I'm a I consider myself a casual Birds fan. Um but this one is not one. And I certainly like the the we've talked about, you know, the the offshoots of the Birds, I'm a big fan of. Um But yeah, no, not 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 this one. I I I see this one to you.
0: Well, I've been very slowly going through the discography of the Birds since high school. Uh and this is number five on my journey. I've gone in order. Uh and this is the first one without David Crosby. Um or sorry, no, this is the last one before David Crosby is gone. I think he might have quit by the time this album came out, but
1: quit kicked out uh, with that guy. What was that? Quit, kicked out, who knows with that guy? God bless you. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but anyway, so this is uh it's it sort of I don't know, it picks up kind of, I, I would say more where Fifth Dimension leaves off than Younger Than Yesterday, but obviously it does still have bits of Younger Than Yesterday in it because on that album they were doing the psychedelic thing. They were doing the sort of, um, you know, exploratory weird stuff. And they do plenty of exploratory weird stuff on here. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it's just, weird. Like, I don't think Tribal Gathering does anything for me. Um, Artificial Energy is kind of a nice sort of stoner, you know, hippie song. Old John Robertson is a fun, very efficient, uh, what is that, 110 seconds? Uh, I I really don't dislike this record at all. It also went by pretty quick, actually, now that I think about it, because I'm really, there aren't really a lot of songs on here that I listen to a lot. Um, so a pretty, pretty short review here of the Notorious Bird Brothers. Next is Sweetheart of the of the Rodeo, so, you know, we'll probably talk about that next year, and I'll have, uh, you and I will probably have some more thoughts, because I, I feel like that is one that you would have heard.
1: That is one I've heard. That is one I have opinions on. Okay, well, tune in
0: a year from now, and you'll yep. hear those opinions. At 22... Haunted Mountain by Buck Meek. Buck Meek, of course, being the uh, sometimes lead guitarist, usually rhythm guitarist, backing vocalist, uh, and I think occasional other instrumentalist of Big Thief. And uh, the two of the three times I saw Big Thief in 2023, uh, Buck Meek was the opener, just playing his uh, solo stuff. Um, And it's kind of a quiet, sparse, often very slow country thing. It's not always slow. Uh, the title track, The Haunted Mountain, is pretty fun. I, I heard that one live, and I thought, oh, this one actually moves pretty well. Yeah, but I would say for the most part, it's it, it's an, uh, an album that takes its time. Time takes its time too slowly um, at times. Is very pretty um, by no stretch what i i really say it compares to um really any any bit of big thief's work uh in, in terms of overall quality but it's a fine enough record and buck does have a good voice he's got some good players on it um i don't know them by name but uh you know the band i saw live was good and the playing on the album is good so you know if, if you're a big thief nerd like me it's it's worth listening to and there will probably be some songs that stick out to you but uh, i don't think it's one that'll cement its place in your heart
1: actually yeah i i haven't heard this one but I, I do like his vibe um like i say a lot he's i've listened to some of his solo work and i find it really pretty very
0: pretty is a succinct way of putting this yes Number 21, G.N. by Rat Boys, who will appear later. This is, I think, their second album, Rat Boys. Uh, This was while they were technically still a duo of uh, Julius Steiner and and David Sagan. I, I think it's... The mix is very uneven on this album, first off, and that's probably a big part of why I don't have it higher, uh, where at times it's really, really quiet, and even like the more rocking moments aren't quite as, as loud as I would like them to be for a band that, uh, as you and I witnessed in person, does rock pretty well. Yeah. Um so i think that's kind of an issue holding back a lot of these songs but like elvis is a, in the freezer is a, is a fun song mm-hmm. control when it really gets going is a fun song the record i, I remember kind of being a um slow build and trying with the plans like there are some really good songs here um but i i think they kind of blend together at points and i think just with a better production it would have been uh, a better album overall
1: yeah, I think it's fine um, I, again, I probably listened to this Of the last few uh, or the few, just I guess there's only a few uh, Rat Boys albums one I probably listened to the least I think I think this was around when they were Playing this album, I think it was probably the first Time I saw them in 20 I maybe, Actually I saw them in 2018 or 19 So maybe they had one more But you know, for a while, and I guess I'll talk about this more When we talk about the other one But um, it felt like they had a lane For a while and this was firmly in that lane. And I'll just say, leave the rest for later.
0: Well, uh, moving on to a lot of people's number one album of 2023, Rat Saw God by Wednesday, which is a very impressive album to me, and yet not one that consistently landed. I I think Bull Believer, the eight and a half minute song, um, that ends in this like big cacophonous you know, crescendo. I think is much more impressive than listenable. I think Turkey Vultures, Cory Chosen to Deserve. I think mm. these are good songs. I also think it's. Uh, I I don't know. I the the sort of noisy alt country thing doesn't always quite work with me. I I think that. Hertzman's vocals are at times really effective and at times a little too casual or like um I like uh, I, i'm I'm sure people who saw them live you know both believe it really worked for them but like I'm not really into the the part where she just starts shrieking uh i I don't know i i thought it was very good and anyone who really likes it isn't wrong but I there's also a disconnect here where I, I, I just like it. And I'm sort of, but not really puzzled how people love it, because it, it combines a lot of things that are really popular right now and that I like. But at the same time, it just I don't know. It, it it's impressive. I, I, I don't think it was like an incredible album.
1: Yeah, this is uh this is one that has, I have to confess, has made has does have a few songs that made its way into modern rock. <laughs> Playlist, you know, because it does really uh it has that big noisy riffy um sort of feel at parts. I don't know. I'd probably if I were to appraise this, I'd probably you have it a 7.5. I know that's subjective, but like inherently, but I to me it's like a 7.8, maybe an eight. I like it. I don't think it's the best thing I heard this year. I don't know. I've heard people very you know, it's kind of funny, anytime an album kind of blows up, there's always backlash. And some of the backlash is sort of on the vocals a little bit that I just, like, and this is literally just me seeing a few people angry on Twitter or something. So it's not a real backlash. This album has done very well and has been quite acclaimed. And I know there's some people who take some issue with with the production, but I I like the production a lot, especially on some of the bigger songs. Bull Believer, like you said, um, is really impressive and also contains a lot of content about Mortal Kombat, which I... Yeah, I'm a sucker for Mortal Kombat, so they had they had me there. But yeah, I think I think it's like I think it's a good record. and you know, I don't know if it's I'm not saying it's not deserving of the acclaim. It got. I don't know that for me it would be in my top, you know, three or five or whatever. But probably my top like 15, <laughs> you know, something like that. Yeah, they're, they're 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 a likable band, and I like to see you know good to see MJ Lunderman eat. You know, I'll also say that um, because his his solo stuff is really really great as well, and he's a great great guitar player.
0: Yeah, and I it does necessitate any conversation of Wednesday, the, the footnote that also uh MJ Lenderman put out one of the best albums of twenty twenty two. And I yes. do really, really like his whole deal. So yes. um anyway. Uh number nineteen, another twenty twenty three record, Stone by Baroness. This'll be pretty quick, I think. It's Baroness, but not quite at the heights of yellow and green you know um i think a couple songs were intentionally not as accessible just you know for the the sake of building a sort of multi textural album a lot of songs about death which is not like novel for a metal band (laughs) but it's much more about like dealing with loss and that sort of thing and uh i i do still like Baroness, I will still listen to the songs on this album and um but, but I, I would not say there are any like hardcore dangers that you know will will go in there with uh with uh on pinion or anything like that.
1: Yeah, I, I too, I haven't heard this record. But you know what, Baroness, support in principle, love yellow, love red, like purple. Um you know, they're 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 a good they're a good band.
0: Number 18 from Alton Goon. Uh Ask Ash, I'm not really sure how to pronounce the S with the tilde at the bottom, but um we'll just call it Ask. Uh this is a Turkish psychedelic funk band. Yeah. Um who I first heard a couple of years ago with a song called Layla. And um I I had my car in the shop this past year and uh, when I was driving around the rental that I got uh, I, I I had Radio K on a decent bit and probably a bit of um, The Current and one of the songs from this record came on and I thought oh yeah then I should really like listen to more of their stuff and so I added their newest album to my queue and I listened to it and uh, it's not groundbreaking stuff but if you like sort of psychedelic Funky music and lyrics that you don't understand because you don't speak Turkish, then this is the album for
1: you. Yeah, love me some global funk. I'll have to listen.
0: Number seventeen, when the pawn dot dot dot. There are many other words by Fiona Apple. This is her second album. I I've not listened to the first one. I have heard Criminal, but it's sort of weird as someone who entered the Fiona Apple space with Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Just sort of understanding like the timeline of her whole career, and like just how weird people were about her when she first became famous, <laughs> because she was like eighteen, I think, when her first album came out, and like that's a, it's a difficult age to like just have everything blow up so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I understand there was something at the Grammys whatever. Um, I saw Marilyn Manson, who's, you know, not a great guy, but, like, he said something about, like, he wrote one of his songs and, and like, did something. uh, He he explained it as, like, there was something sexual about Fiona Apple in that song, which is really weird when you're, like, 10 years older than this girl. And and obviously, Marilyn Manson, you know, he throws stuff up against the wall to try to be edgy, and that's just sort of the deal. But, like, I don't know if you, it seemed like she was just going through a lot. And as she's talked about since then, there were some, you know, childhood traumas that she was also still having to deal with at the time. And, um and so this album comes out and it's not as, you know, it's not like just a big middle finger or anything, but there are some moments that sort of touch on like the idea of, uh, you know, the undue and very hostile media attention towards her at that time. And overall, it's a solid record, has the sort of uh, chaotic piano noises and percussion and stuff, and she's got a good voice, and she sings about uh, relationships and all that, and it's, it's pretty solid, but I didn't know if you had heard this album before.
1: No, I haven't. Again, she's another artist that I like, but haven't checked out her entire catalog. Um, she seems brilliant. You know, I mean, just her again, her, like her yeah, use good words, the piano and like the percussion and all that. Um, very all her best work is all very percussive. Um, but, yeah, I haven't heard this one. So, again, another one to add to the list. <laughs> I have heard the next one on the list.
0: Yeah, I'd be very surprised if you hadn't. Number 16, Raise the Roof by Robert Plant and Alison Krauss. If you have listened to Raising Sand, just imagine that with a lot of really good songs, but just like slightly worse and you're not really sure why. I don't know if it's they just picked worse songs or maybe it's just it doesn't feel as novel, you know, it's still... Very solid, and you know, when you're listening to any individual song, you will not feel any sort of unpleasantness because it's Robert Plant and Alison Krauss playing some, some very pretty music at you. But, um, what, what are your thoughts on it?
1: Well, it was funny. Um, so I, I was kind of think I was thinking, I, I was thinking along the same lines. Um, I was going to make a joke about, well, it's not as good because they're playing fewer Alan Toussaint songs um, and and Towns Van Zandt songs, um, but then I realized your your number one song on here, um, I believe. Let me look. Let me make sure I'm right. Oh, your second was Trouble with My Lover, which is actually an Alan Toussaint song. So, um, shout out to Alan Toussaint, one of America's great songwriters. No, it's 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 fine. I mean, it's just it's it's immaculately produced. T Bone Burnett, you know, all the best players. If you look, you know, if you go, go through the musicians on the Wikipedia page, you know, Mark Rebo, David Hidalgo from Los Lobos, Bill Frizzell, Stuart Duncan, uh, Victor Krauss, Lucinda's on it for some reason, well, not because she sounds great, and some others. You know, it's just, it's just really, like, really, really tasteful. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's great, but I, I agree that I think the song selection and something something, there's something more a little more striking about the first album to me. And again, maybe it's just the the, you know, Fortune Teller and Nothing and some of those other songs. But uh yeah, it it's 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 a fine it's a finalist, and I I think I have like three or four saved into my playlist that I listen to from time to time, but nothing I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's a low point for either of them, but it's it's not, you know, essential the way the last one I think was to both of them
0: yeah and I, I think going was a lonely go uh trouble with my lover can't let go like there are some really really good songs here but the total package doesn't feel as strong
1: yeah yeah I forgot about can't let go I forgot that's a, a song that Lucinda does that's a song I really like I think it did that live and I will say when we saw them live they were very 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 definitely the high point of that show um exceptional yeah. yeah really really good yeah
0: number 15 i'm gonna read the whole title here "Petrogradonic apocalypse or dawn of eternal night and annihilation of planet earth and beginning of merciless damnation by king gizzard and the lizard wizard this is album 24 in the career of king gizzard and the lizard wizard and they've put out uh, only one. They only put out one album uh, after this in 2023. That surprises me. But they are prolific. They are eclectic. They uh, they do everything. And this is sort of their, uh, their album that, I mean, not that they haven't made a, a metal album before, but this is one where they really lean into their Tool and Judas Priest and Metallica influences and uh, it is absolutely not foundational or like innovative, but it whips,
1: which sometimes uh, it's more important. Yeah,
0: yeah. the 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 question of does it go is is a is a vital question to every every album, and this one goes pretty hard. You know, I, I think there's some moments in uh, in Dragon and Gila Monster in motor spirit that like if you're gonna try to do a prog metal album a a progressive thrash album like you gotta really have the chops got to have chops you gotta commit to the bit you gotta have the chops you gotta commit to the bit and they do both of those things really really well because some of the ways they like just kind of i'm not a music person but i i I like it when they make cool noises. and they just kind of change up the tempo and the time signatures and everything. And um, I, I really, really like this record. Uh, I, I, because it's not like important or groundbreaking or anything, I, I have it a little lower, but just in terms of a, is it really fun to listen to it? it yeah. I, I think it's a lot of fun to listen to if you're into this sort of thing.
1: Did I tell you, I think I told you this, but I was at a bluegrass show a couple weeks ago, like a few months ago now, actually. And I would, of course they put me next to like the only other, like the only, the only other hippie in the room. And this guy was talking at his table, um, cause it was a jazz club about how he owned every, whatever, every single available King Gizzard in the wizard wizard vinyl. And I was just like, that's, you know, I, I, I just support that a hundred percent because, you know, we need, we need, we need people supporting the music economy. You know, we need bands with loyal fans and, uh, yeah, they seem like they seem like they deserve it. So uh, good for them. Uh, I don't think I've heard this one, but who who knows? Because they have so many. Um, I I know Heel Monster. I know that's one I have um, I saved in my playlist. But I'll have to listen to it because I I like the the reference point. You know, you had me at Metallica meets Tool meets Judas Priest. You had you had me there. That's a good combination. So I'll have to listen.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'll also say, um, this doesn't count as an album, but uh, shout out to my friend Joe, who sort of put me down this path by compiling a King Desert and the Lizard Wizard playlist for me to listen to about an hour and a half long, and that doesn't include any songs in this album, so, you know, uh, got exposed to a lot of the good stuff and have it in my rotation, and, uh, um, you know, their their lyricism suffers as a result of their is the demands they place on themselves to write so many songs all the time yeah but you know they are fantastic musicians
1: and that's, uh, that's one nice. thing that was the thing i think like i said it's too off often I'll, I'll go quick with this but uh um off my last well, one other time is I, I heard an interview with trey anastasio from fish who said direct like the quote was just something like you know like he's talking about young man he was talking about goose and king gizzard um and he was talking about king gizzard and he was like they're fearless, you know. You th- sort of throw things at the wall. They're fearless. They'll do anything. It doesn't always work, but the the ambition and the fearlessness is commendable. And he meant that in a very positive way. It wasn't a backhanded compliment. So I Trey Trey agrees with you. I think that's what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, you gotta love a garage rock, psychedelic rock, funk, power metal, thrash metal, prog metal. You know he. It, it, add up all the genres, and they are this band, and uh, that's very cool of them. Yep. At number 14, Life is Good on the Open Road by Trampled by Turtles. I think I'll let Aaron take this one.
1: Yeah, this is one, I think, just looking at the placement on the list the number, I think I'm actually higher on this album. Um, This is one that came out, it was sort of a not a comeback record, because I think their last one, I think Wild Animals had come out in 2014. Um, but it came out after a period for Trampled where they weren't playing a whole lot. Um, they weren't didn't have any records released. Um I don't know, I don't know what was going on within the band or the writer with Dave or with whoever. Um like why that why that was. Um, but it was a comeback album of sorts. Um and i i really like this album i i i i appraise it a little higher i think i think it's a really good mix of songs again as somebody who so values the live show a lot of these songs specifically the up-tempo songs i think are really really good additions to the live show kelly's bar um the middle annihilate i think is actually one of their best live songs um and then there's also some good uh I mean, now you have I Went to Hollywood as one of your favorites. That's a good one. Um, good Land is a really pretty sort of Americana instrumental um, that I really like. I, mean, I think we did take the totality of the album. I I actually think it's probably one of their three or four best. And... I mean, of course, I'm really not. un unbiased completely. Um, but I, 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 I really like this album. Um, it is a trampled album, so I mean, your your formula that you're playing with is still pretty much the same. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, you're, you're going to get some some up-tempo slammers. You're going to get some sad weepers. You're going to get a few sort of in the middle. Not a whole lot of experimentation um, in a conventional sense. But uh, it is a, it is a good album, and I look forward to hearing hopefully some of these songs. Hopefully, if we I hopefully see them in july
0: yeah um i i the thing with me is they are very high floor and like um i do think as much as i really really like them and like you, you mentioned kelly's bar like that's that's a gem you know it, it is sort of in that um that same category as like wait so long although i think wait so long is like podium level for me in terms of my yeah. favorites and things but um so I, I would rank this. Um, I haven't heard Blue Sky and the Devil, Trouble, or Duluth, but I guess that means of the one, two, three, four, five, six. I guess I would probably put this like third among the six I've heard behind Stars and Satellites and songs for, uh, maybe Duluth. I, I, or, I don't know. I have heard Duluth, actually. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know exactly where I'd rank it, but it it is very good. Um, I also think I I am very used to everything they do, and so the impact of any specific Trained by Turtles album is probably not going to be overly, you know, impactful on me uh, these days, but um, I do like it. All right. Next on the list, uh, filling in a hole in my knowledge that was existent for way too long. Number 12, Pearl Jam by Pearl Jam.
1: Oh we don't we, we do we
0: got 13. Oh did I did I skip thirteen? Skip thirteen. Okay, well uh we we will uh I think we'll go back to thirteen after this okay. because I don't want to edit or or act like we we didn't just or I didn't just screw up. So uh so Pearl Jam. <laughs> um with seeing Pearl Jam in 2023, I thought there's one album I have not listened to. And there's no real good reason for it because they're one of my favorite bands. But just some of the bands I got into in high school or in middle school, there's just that one album I haven't heard. Uh, Like Led Zeppelin, I haven't heard uh, all of In Through the Outdoor, you know, as an example. Or uh, Radiohead I got into in college, and I plan on finally in 2024 listening to The King of Limbs, you know, Um, just... It took me forever to listen to Gaucho in the Steely Dan discography. And this is the one that I hadn't got to got, hadn't gotten to with Pearl Jam. And I thought I I should and sort of in the narrative of the Pearl Jam arc, this is like their back to rockin' sort of record uh which people tree is kind of like a a comeback album which i think is a little unfair um because i I, not that like riot act was an exceptional album but on riot act and binaural there were some good songs like i love i am mine um i i love light years um but pearl jam the the avocado um you know i think it's a lot of high floor rockers some maybe some mid-tempo songs in here. And then I would say there was one really, like, one of their best songs they've ever written, that's Come Back, um, which is this just, like, aching power ballad about, you know, a, song, a, a friend who's died and um, sort of wishing you could see them again, and um, which Light Years is also in that category, but uh, Come Back... To, sounds sounds different from that and um you know I, I i do love it when eddie vedder sings real good and he does mm-hmm. sing really good on that song and the rest is perfectly fine and i'm probably giving it a slight boost because it's pearl jam
1: what uh, do you have any thoughts here no no i have, don't have a ton of thoughts on post post yield pearl jam certainly not that would add anything up to this discourse um but yeah um Yeah, I guess that's all I have to say. I I will have to listen to Come Back.
0: Well, uh, it showed up in – I haven't watched – is it The Bear? Is that the the cooking show?
1: Yes, yes. Very chaotic, very stressful, very entertaining show. Yes. That makes sense, actually. A lot of dad rock on The Bear. A lot of dad rock, a lot of Wilco, Counting Crows, all that. So Pearl Jam fits right in. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that, that's what I understand. Um, anyway, so going back to thirteen, uh, Schwitz by Wolfpack. I my um, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard nerd friend is also a, a Wolfpack nerd, um, and this is the first one i voluntarily listened to by them, beginning to end, and I would say from song two or three, whatever it is, you you get some of the reason why they don't always stick with me because jack stratton sometimes doesn't take anything seriously and yeah. you get a song like captain hook or in this case earworm which is just an awful song to me but then there's a very heavy dose of antoine stanley on yes yeah. that's Anton stanley is great
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say, and the antidote with Wolfpack tends to be Antoine. Um, When he shows up, things tend to to go well, because he's a crazy singer.
0: Yeah, and what do you mean by love? Simple step, the cover of Serve Somebody. Uh, There are some really, really great moments from Antoine Stanley on this record, in addition to just the usual absurdly tight playing that comes from just that lineup uh which i believe Tori Wong is on this album too yeah um which i i assume that, i'm just assuming because it's a given at this point but um this one i believe they recorded entirely in asana um like as a bit because they, they're band <laughs> of bits but uh, you know it's wolfpack i think some of the the best points in this album are some of the best things i've ever heard from them and then the rest
1: is wolfpack um I will say I don't really have strong opinions on this album, um, but do watch the YouTube video of their Bonnaroo set from this year, uh, or last year I guess 2023 now. They they perform a, a wedding on stage, and it is so unbelievably funny. <laughs> like I, I I hate that I'm suckered into the bit, but it's actually hilarious, and I think everybody should watch it. I think I watched with, like, my mom, who's, like, not, like, a funk jam person, really, but uh, it's it's insanely entertaining, and I think you'll like it if you watch it, so do that, people. <laughs> uh,
0: moving back into actual the order of the list, number 11, Stranger in the Alps by Phoebe Bridgers. There was a moment in 2023 where I had to to look at myself and sort of evaluate where where my life had taken me and it was while strolling down on um spotify listening to stranger in the alps and seeing the the playlist recommendations uh sad girl starter pack and then yeah. open it up and they, it, they don't want... addition, yeah 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 there there. there's Phoebe Bridgers there there's also courtney barnett and big thief and i go well i guess this is this is who i am now
1: this must be the place uh,
0: Eviden- yes, this must be the place. But uh, this is a, a solid album. I think it's one that um, I kind of pressed it pretty early on my overall feelings. Uh, I think Motion Sickness is an incredible song. Mm-hmm. Um, I think You Miss My Heart is a real uh, punch you straight, straight in the heart type of song. Yeah. Um, and I think the rest... Your mileage may vary song to song. Georgia doesn't really do as much for me. Funeral feels I mean it's 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 a little on the nose, I guess. Um but I also think like there are some really pretty moments. She has a very good voice. I like this album. I wanna listen to Punisher, I wanna listen to Boy Genius, uh just haven't gotten to him yet. But this is uh very much worth your time.
1: Yeah, I actually think, I actually like this album, um, I like this album a lot, and it, it's, I think when Punisher came out, I almost like Stranger in the Alps, got kind of shafted in the public discourse, um, and now, ironically, it seems like Boy Genius has sort of usurped all of it, um, and that's okay, I really like the Boy Genius album, uh, truth be told, I do like Punisher, um, but Stranger in the Alps, I think I would, I like more than Punisher, Um I it's just it's just such a it's just such a mood you know sad girl summer you know it's just so it's so melancholy and those songs I think you hit on some of those I do like Georgia I will say I do like the uh I don't know if it's still on Spotify um there was an acoustic version of Georgia that she recorded before, way before like 2015 or something so you can find that on YouTube I do recommend that um but motion sickness and there's a few more that are really good but motion sickness is obviously the big sort of emotional climax of the of the um of the album um in terms of the way it just feels um you missed my heart um i, I don't know if you know this but it's a cover of a now can of since canceled artist and are you are, do you know that
0: I I didn't know that, but considering Motion Sickness is about a canceled artist, I guess we've got canceled artists all over here.
1: Canceled artists all over. Um, (laughs) Anywho, uh, but you missed my heart. Um, I will say that canceled artist, who we'll go on name for now, um, one of my old favorite, just favorite songwriters of the last 20, 30 years. Um, And that is a just a gut punch of a song. (laughs) I I just it's so it's 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 so vivid and she sings it so well and it's just it's just so well written and she just does such a nice job with it I I love that song it's one of my favorite covers um, that she does and and one of my favorite covers generally but it's one of my favorite covers that she does and I think that's saying a lot because she actually does a lot of good covers uh, especially the Christmas ones but yeah I've I've liked this album since my friend showed. I think my friend showed this to me In, like, uh, in 2017, me and my friend Pete did a podcast. I don't know if it ever aired anywhere or if we aired. I don't know if we put it up anywhere of, like, our favorite albums of the year. And I got to say, I take credit because I put Tyler Childers on there, and that was – I mean, the album had done well, but, you know, that guy's, uh, you know, bigger than – Yeah, bigger than Jesus now, um, and he put this Phoebe Bridgers album, and I had never heard of her before. Um, I wasn't as into that specific in- sphere of indie, um, but he was right. You know, she's good. She's a good songwriter, uh, good singer, and uh, I think I have it. I have it on vinyl somewhere. So I'm pointing at my vinyl collection. I don't know if anybody, nobody can see that, but it's there. It's a good one.
0: Yeah, and and looking at the track list again, there, like, a lot of these are like songs that would um, show up on my playlist. I'm like, yeah, this this is really great. Um, you know, Scott Street obviously is great. Yeah, Killer that's is, is awesome. really good. Uh, would You Rather, I think, is really good. Like, there, there's no shortage of really good songs to, to, to feel mopey to, which, um, as we'll get to later, that, you know, Chandler might like songs to... To, to get mopey too. yeah number 10 the the opposite kind of vibe uh getting ready by freddie king i i i've had freddie king on the list for a while to get to because i do love a nice texas bluesman and uh i i i knew going down i knew palace is the king and those are two fantastic songs just you know Top notch bangers. And uh you listen to the rest of the album and it's also some bangers. Uh none that I think reached the level of those two, but uh Living on the Highway Now is is a fun little Helen Wolf tribute. Uh you you get some, you know, sort of classic blues um things in here that
1: I if I was smarter I could describe. Um, but he, he does. does it's the vibe. He's more of a Chicago blues, is my understanding. He's from Texas, but the sound is, feels like a sort of early '70s, late '60s Chicago thing. That's my moderately intelligent way of articulating that. But I don't know. I mean, yeah,
0: he he is uh, Chicago blues, but he, he's also from Texas. He, you know, I I I don't know exactly where to categorize him other than to say I. I want my state to take credit. <laughs> yeah. And the fact Palace of the King is about uh, going back to Dallas. Um. And he did die in Dallas. You know. Um. I I I think we we deserve some credit here.
1: Chicago has plenty anyway. But. Um, I, say, I I think. What was that? I was gonna say I, yeah they have they get enough love anyway. So
0: um I, I I just think he does the Blues at a very very high level obviously. He's long dead, but um, you know he's he's a legend of the uh, the Texas blues scene, and I, I think he deserves that. Absolutely. Number nine, meta modern sounds in country music uh, by Sturgill Simpson. True music. Thank, thank you. And we'll talk about Sturgill again very shortly. Well, actually, we'll we'll save Sturgill talk for for when we get to Sturgill again, because I think uh, when so much of this album shows up on the other album we're going to yes. talk about we might as well just lump it in so we'll skip to number eight here which is remission by mastodon um i listened to shocking shockingly little metal this year um, but this one uh I, I think if i listened to this in high school it wouldn't quite work for me but i think i've become a lot more willing to sort of push the boundaries of what i listen to um i'm still very picky when it comes to metal in terms of like what is too harsh for me vocally or like what is too extreme or too of a subgenre? and i think this is like right where it should be and i'm willing to give it a chance because i love so much other mastodon but um this is uh their their first record and it's incredibly sludgy there are um there there are some very clear like sabbathy sort of uh i I can't remember what the, the word i'm looking for is your favorite song on this, I, I have a feeling, is March of the Fire Ants.
1: That's because and, it is, yeah.
0: yes. Yeah, um, and that is basically a Tony Iommi riff is is driving the thing, um, which, to be clear, I love Tony Iommi riffs, so, you know, have at it. But uh, but it, it's just, it's got the right sort of punch. It's got these really, really cool progressive excursions like Ole Nessie. Um, and at the same time, just... You know, I I, I mean, think it, it's great. You know, I I still rank track the Sky* as my favorite Mastodon album, but this is very very strong.
1: Yeah, I don't listen to *Remission* a lot, but because I just have to be in a very specific headspace for it, which is like warming up for a JV basketball game or something. You know, like and listening to *Rage Against the Machine* and *Tool* or something. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm joking of course. But uh, it's a very heavy album. Um, it's a brutal. I shouldn't say brutal, it's not all a churn, because like you said, there's there are a lot of fast parts, a lot of progressive parts to it. Um, but I think by and large, when I think about this album, like this is like a heavy, heavy album. And obviously, like you said March of the Fire Ants, uh, Into Where Strides the Behemoth, which is a wonderful one-two punch, in my opinion. I also love Trilobite um, on this album, which is one of the longer, um, but also equally just heavy sort of songs um, on here. So, yeah, I, I this is a massive massive album just as far as just its sound um and i also like crack the sky better and to be honest i listen to some of the other albums more but this is a great out al- it's a great mastodon on album um and i almost want to say it'd be cool if they like revisited this like you know is there something like this but that would just be get back to rock and you don't need to do that they i like i like them better creative um but it is cool that they that they did this and then branched out and did all the <laughs> crazy stuff that they've done over the years.
0: Yeah. And, you know, this this can be the the album where they punch you in the face the most. Not that they don't on Blood Mountain or uh, or Leviathan. But. Yeah. Uh, anyway, number seven. Cutting Grass Volume One by Sturgill Simpson, um, which I actually just listened to on the plane last night, mm. and uh, I, you know, I, I, I like this more than modern sounds and country music because uh, I think just the the bluegrass sound works better for me than the psychedelic country stuff. But at the same time, I listen to the psychedelic country versions of some of these songs, and it, it, like, I still love the original version of Tal- Turtles All the Way Down. I I, I love. Just Let It Go, or Just Let Go. Um, And as someone who has not listened to the full Sturgill discography, you know, I'll be hearing some of these songs for the second time whenever I get to High Top Mountain or whatever, but I just, he he is, he's obviously a shapeshifter. (laughs) His ability to to put up something like Sound and Fury and something like Modern Sounds and Come Music and Cutting Grass um, is, is really impressive and it also, like, gives i think this the the sort of stripped down um nature of just putting out your songs again that you produced a bit more fully before but you know you're doing on a bluegrass level like um it does kind of get across he does have a, a fantastic voice yeah um and uh a, 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 he, he can he can be the sort of mean rock vocalist on life ain't fair and the world is mean um but also you listen to like water in the well or i don't mind and it's just you know he's 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 good <laughs> he's real good um and i i think if there's any drawback to this album is that it is 20 songs long less than an hour but um I, I think it can feel slightly one note, but at the same time, um, that one note is 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 real, real strong.
1: Ed, um, I kind of said to somebody once that one of the things I love about bluegrass is it's like there's sometimes where you're trying to evaluate in a critical sense, and like like bluegrass is it, it's a craft as much as it, like it is it is an art and it's an art form. I don't mean to say it's not an art form but there is a craft to a lot of it a lot of the great bluegrass you just listen to you know even like the Bill Monroe and the Bluegrass Boys Del McCurry even some of the Ricky Skaggs that I like although he shape-shifted a little bit you just listen to and you're like that's just good freaking picking you know you're like they they are just picking and that dude is singing and those songs are good and it just works you know like it's not It doesn't have to be more complicated than that, you know, like, and I think this album is sort of an example of that. And the the pick, and I I do want to add, I want to shout out some of the players on, uh, on this um, album, Um, Mike Bubb on bass, uh, Stuart Duncan, who also played on the Robert Plant and Alison Krauss album, who we saw play with Robert Plant and Alison Krauss is on the album, Uh, Sierra Hall, Tim O'Brien. Scott Vestal, Miles Miller uh, on drums, um, just a murderer's row of bluegrass players. And I think that helps him. The fact that the band is so good helps accentuate his voice and his songs um, and helps really bring that vision to life. Um, I think this album, I don't know if it did this, but when it came out, I was really hoping this album, and it probably did for something. I I hope this brings a lot of people to bluegrass. Um, because like one of the cool things about Sturgill, like you said, is just, and, and to be frank, it, I think what's cool is just the rock and rollness of his whole spirit. He's a shapeshifter. shifter. He just does not care. Right it's almost like a joke for almost anybody else. Like what is like the least commercial thing you can, like at even sound and fury, like which felt like at the time, like the least commercial thing he could do. Like I'm going to soundtrack the next *Yo Yojimbo, but it's all going to be like ZZ top meets Queens of the stone age, you know, meets like synthesizers, you know, and you know, and I'm going to yell about whatever on it, you know, like that's a, not a commercial move. And he said himself, in an interview, you know, years and years ago, he's like, "If I wanted 80 million in the bank, I could have that right now." Because he's just that—he's that famous. He's that good at writing country songs, right? Um, And he's that good at performing. But the fact that he does "Sound of Fury" and then quits and then comes back and says, "It's almost—it's just a big fuck you, right?" It's like, like, what's the next most rock and roll thing I can do? I'm gonna re-record my entire catalog as bluegrass. And again, I love bluegrass, but bluegrass is like the least commercial, you know. I mean, there's a reason I read those names of those those legends that he plays with, and, and no, no, nobody knows who Mike Bubb and Scott Vestal are. Maybe a couple of people know who Sierra Hall and Tim O'Brien are, but nobody knows Scott Vestal. Scott Vestal's a genius, <laughs> you know. And if he was, any, you know, a similar artist and a similar stature in any other genre, I feel like these guys would be, you know, you, you'd know their names, but. Um, All that to say, it's very cool that he did this, and the songs work very, very well. Um, And I like the second half too, uh, but I think the first half especially is really, really good. And I do that song, I don't mind. I think it was the single. uh, That's the one I go back to the most. Uh, That's a beautiful song. It's not on any of his albums, actually, um, but I just think that's a fantastic song. I do want to touch on, too, um, is it all right if we touch on Meta Modern? Yeah, I did that. Yeah, so Metamodern to me, I just wanna talk about it a little bit. I think it's one of the more formative albums for me in a few weird ways. Um, right when I sort of started listening to country music in Americana it was probably around 2014. So it was right when this album was sort of popping off. I guess it came out in May of 2014. I probably first heard it in August or September um, of, 20, of, of, of 2014. Um, and I liked it at the time in a lot of those songs, there's a period where I wasn't, a lot of the period I wasn't listening to just a ton of music, but but this album definitely stuck with me, I, and I still think it's really good. What I want to highlight is a couple of the covers in the middle, specifically. Um, Long White Line," which I believe was popularized by Elvis, I think is a great song, has a great feeling to it, kind of slow, kind of. Plotting almost, but just a great, great country, great country lick. and he sings it really well. And it's a great song. Um, The other one I want to point out uh, is "The Promise," which is a cover of a random '80s song. And Sturgill's done a lot of covers, um, including maybe there's a few that I can't wait for you to hear. Maybe you've heard them already. I don't know, but that to me is maybe my maybe my favorite thing he's done is that cover of "The Promise." by a band called The Wind in Rome. I don't know who that band is. I don't think you know who that band is. I don't think anybody knows who that band is. I heard the original. It's not great. It doesn't matter. That, that to me, that song is just, his his is vocal performance is, is is outstanding on that. So that's maybe my favorite song, at least on that album. Maybe I'm overstating it, but I think it's great. And then Pan Bolt, the song at the end, um, is a fantastic little uh diddy uh at the end uh so yeah it's it's very innovative obviously very acclaimed for its innovation psychedelic country you know the, the zinging while everybody else is zagging both in terms of his career arc and in terms of the music itself i think it's all warranted but those particular songs are the ones that have stuck with me the most
0: i, I will slightly defend the original of the promise having initially okay. heard it uh at the end of napoleon dynamite as a youth okay Uh it, it is it is sort of a, a bigger song, and uh, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say Sturgill pulled it out of nowhere or anything, but and, and it is very schlocky, very 80s. Um, but I mean, you you are right that like Sturgill, you know, he shows it, he, he he turns it into a, a sort of different thing, a much more forlorn thing instead of this cheesy 80s song, and uh, you know, he's he's great. He's he's he he knows how to even if he kind of carries this sort of not quite cynical kind of vibe to some of his music. Oh, I would
1: of, say there's a cynical vibe to some of his music. I would go that far.
0: Okay. You know, was, he he still exactly. can be really tender and and really pretty when he wants to.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. I I agree wholeheartedly. I just think his personality. I think he he's he's always seemed kind of jaded and mercurial to me. Um but the music um the performances have always been really Really, 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 really top notch. And this is the part where I implore Sturgill if you're listening to this, please play a show on the Midwest ever again. Um, we signed Aaron and the rest of us.
0: Well, he did do a, a good job on uh, The Righteous Gemstones and Killers of the Flower Moon this year. So mm. um, this has been a, a big Sturgill year for Chandler. All right. Number six on the list, Expert in a Dying Field by The Beths. This album is not really something I feel like I should like because I almost as a rule hate pop punk. Um, A lot of the bands that uh, people who are 10, 15 years older than us really, really love, Blink-182, AFI, Sum 41, I think are trash. I really, really hate them. I also did grow up listening to a lot of Green Day, so like this, this was sort of my my foray into the. um, Just just rock in general, Was was that, but um, you, you can set even all that aside. And just ask the question again, does it go and I can tell you from start to finish expert and dying field goes um, the first two songs. Are much better than the rest. And so in that respect, maybe it's a little top heavy. But having just listened to this album again yesterday, um it it is like it is deep. It's not just one or two songs and then some filler. I, I think it it's just a lot of fun. Like I, I think your side is a is a very good if vaguely corny love song that I don't think you have to really do the bouncing up and down and, and screaming in the car thing to. Um I, I think best left is is good changing the weather is a ton of fun. i told you that i was afraid was is is, a, is another it's a little more chugga chagra thing going on than than i normally like from uh from this sort of thing but but it it, it sort of transcends my usual version to pop punk in large part i i think their their singer whose name i don't remember right now uh is is very good i i think having heard this album and then And then their first EP, whose name I don't remember, but it's got like some sort of dog looking thing on the front. Um, It's got, uh, I don't remember what it's called, but having heard heard some of their other stuff, uh, I I do think they do a lot with the backing vocals. That's kind of interesting. um, That, you know, sort of adds just a a touch of flavor to a given song here or there. So um, I really, really like, really love this album. Um, and I think Expert and Dying Field, in particular, to the title track, the first song is like, that is that is a golden piece of, of music right there. And uh, one of the, the better, like, sort of introspective rock songs in recent memory, I guess.
1: Yeah, I like this band a lot. I saw them a couple months ago, or six months ago now, opening for the Nash national and really like their bit and listen to the album and really like the album. I don't know. Pop punk, it feels like a stretch for this. I mean, it's definitely poppy. I would almost call it, I think the Wikipedia page said power pop. I feel like and we're splitting, you know, semantics or whatever, but I think like it's more like in that vein than it is like pop punk per se. Um, but regardless, uh, it's very catchy. It rocks very hard. Um, and for that, we love it.
0: Yeah, and I, I will say it doesn't do the the two thousand one skater boy stuff that I hate. So no. you know, it, it it's not a one one comparison, but I feel like if you do like those bands, you will like this one. Yeah. Number five, our favorite weirdo, Juarez by Terry Allen. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: Boy, this one's a, this is a wild this is a wild one, right? This was his first album. I didn't and, realize that.
0: Yeah, I uh, it, it is kind of absurd because he, he just is his, his voice already sounds really old. Um and in 1975 I guess he was 32 years old. Um but it's who who really has the the balls to put out like this album that has all these spoken word interludes and like this weird concept album about running from the law and you know uh relationships that are kind of out of convenience but not and then sort of you know wanting that back and it's and then the 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 stories he tells within here like about like the about cortez first showing up in in the new world and it's it's just a zany record, but it's also really listenable at a lot of points. Like there ought to be a lot in sunny Southern California. It's just mean and really really cool. And and the words device is 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 a, a cool little country song. And I love Cantina Carlotta. I've, I've listened to that so many times this year, um, just for fun, without even like you know considering it as a piece of art or whatever. Just he he's a he's a really peculiar but just stellar songwriter.
1: Yeah, I think this album. I feel like it is or was divisive. Maybe at one point, um, I certainly am in the pro camp. Like, I feel like it's a love hate thing. I think it's just too weird for a lot of people. <laughs> you know, it's just too, especially when it gets framed as like, oh, he's like some sort of weird outlaw country guy. Like, you can sort. It's like the bones of that are are in there, and then it's just something completely different, as is the case of all his work. Um, but I love it it's it's bizarre, it's beautiful, it's poetic, you know everything we love from Terry Allen I think is epitomized in Juarez. I actually now I remember I think I did do a podcast on this album years ago. I think it is up somewhere maybe, but man what a what a what a what a what a figure Terry Allen is and he's still alive, so good for good for him um maybe one day we will see the Juarez live. Fiftieth anniversary tour. I don't know. Maybe who knows? It does feel like
0: there is a, a sort of undercurrent of the modern sort of alt country movement that likes Terry, which is great. Yep. You know, when we saw Planes, they played Amarillo Highway. Um, I read a an interview with uh, Buck Meek where he mentioned
1: Terry Allen as a as a
0: songwriting influence, and
1: um, I, I want to say important. like the wilco guys i think are fans which doesn't surprise me
0: no that is the least surprising thing you could have said but uh i want to say maybe mj lunderman might like terry allen like they're they're, they're, there's this there we we are joined in this specific nerd sphere which i'm i'm glad because he deserves some recognition yeah anyway uh number four crushing by julia jacqueline you want to talk about sad
1: girl music yeah, that that that's a sad that's a that's a that's a sad girl, sad girl record. I think I have to look this up. I think I saw her at a festival. Um was it her or was it somebody else? Let me see if this was actually her. Maybe it wasn't her. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody who's equally not suited for a festival. <laughs> But regardless, uh, it's a beautiful, it's it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful set album that I have not spent enough time with. <laughs> I think well,
0: really like it. Uh, she was supposed to open for Courtney Barnett when I saw Courtney Barnett at the Palace, and then she just backed out like, I, I don't know exactly why, it was like a month or two before the show. And I really wish she had played because this was like more than maybe any other album I listened to this year, an instant like boom, this is now one of your favorite albums type of thing um Because yes, it, you know to 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 use the the word one note again, it can be a little bit that way. But even then, you know, like you, I I obviously Pressure to Party is just an incredible banger of a, a song that you know you can you can listen to all sad, you can listen to all happy. um But there there are all these great songs about you know breakups and and sex and relationships and everything and. You know, I, the 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 one song I listened to all year that, like, made me cry the first time I listened to it was Turn Me Down. But Comfort is another, like, you know, punch you in the jet type song. And um, just, like, wh- whatever, like, you know, impact Stranger in the Alps can do to me, like, turn it up a bit for, for crushing here. Um, and uh, and Hands is a... Uh, or no, uh, head alone is, is a great song, and you know, they they're, I, I, I'm gonna run out of words to say here, but I, I really, really love this album, and I plan on listening to her most recent album soon. And
1: uh, if if she comes to town, then I'm gonna make it a point to go see her because I think she's really, really fantastic. And uh, yeah, I don't have anything more to add about that. The same which cannot be said about the next artist.
0: No, this one is squarely in the wheelhouse. Magnolia Electric Company by Sons Ohio is my number three uh for a while it was my number one, and I would say the top three could probably go in just about any order but um this one i I had heard a couple songs from it, mainly farewell transmission, which is you know a absurdly good song, you know like in terms of it, it it's an opus really just the yeah. It, it, it's a journey, whatever pretentious words you want to put on, like a you know, seven or eight minute song that has all these that, that, that ramps up and ramps down, and you know, all that. Like, that is Fairwind Transmission. Great, great song. Um, and it, the only reason I don't have it as a 10 is because I didn't really like uh Peoria Lunchbox Blues, mm. but um, the old black can is just uh
1: that's a you know that's a what was that it's i don't know if i'd say a weeper i said a weeper but it's not really a weeper it's just a beautiful beautiful song
0: it comes close to a weeper it's just sort of um i don't know or, or or john henry split my heart or uh hold on magnolia like uh, there's there's no shortage of incredible songs on this album and it's all sort of in this this sad alt country space which is very much up my alley and i assume you have much experience with this
1: record yeah yeah i uh I, i think uh at one point i used to play some of these songs with my band um poorly And I think at one time I thought maybe we should do like a live stream of like all the doing the album consecutively, which says nothing other than I really like this album. (laughs) We weren't good. But no, I think what you said about Farewell Transmission is accurate. I do want to start there. I think that's Apex Rock. I honestly, as far as the best, I mean, again, best is a loaded word. And there's so many songs that come out every day and every year. I mean, who's to say? what is the best rock song of the 20th century or 21st century i should say but i i honest to god i I think it's in the conversation it's 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 so riveting and it's it's so electrifying you know and so raw it's it's a perfect perfect song it's it's one of the songs there's a couple other on this album I, i think the top you can quibble about the 10 versus 9.5, whatever. At least the top three songs, maybe top four, I, I think are as as good as it as good of a run as it gets. And farewell transmission, I think it's like I said, one of the best rock songs of its era. Uh, Molina is a totally tragic story, you know, just in the story of his life. Um, but I and I hate to say that like magnifies how crazy this album is. But when you consider his life and, like, when you hear, you hear him singing about hardship and overcoming hardship and adversity and overcoming adversity and succumbing to adversity at times and all of this, when you read in the context of his life, you're like, this guy, like, this guy, this guy was living it, you know? This guy was going through it, and I don't mean that – I just mean to say, like, everything you hear on this album, it, he sells it 100%. As far as like this is his lived you know experience this is this you know sort of sad hard you know bleak midwestern opus you know and um again whether it's autobiographical or not I don't know but 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 you believe you buy it you buy it and I think that's the big part of it is you buy all of this. Um, more so than almost any record I've heard, and certainly most more so than most records in this um, in this vein. So yeah, farewell transmission. It's an apex rock song. Uh, it's my probably one of my top five to ten favorite songs of the last 20, 25 years. Would be 25 at this point. I've been riding with the ghost. That's a great rock song. Just be simple, beautiful, beautiful song. Uh, again, really a hard song to listen to at times. But it's but it's fantastic. That's one that's been covered a lot. I know I mean if you want to th- you want to talk about it, ar- it, an obscure artist who has a far flung influence, I would say, too, in terms of indie rock, in terms of you know, alt country, you know, all that. You know, Songs Ohio and Jason Molina certainly is is up there as far as an obscure influence. I mean, I know like even I think like the Avett brothers were covering Just Be Simple on one of their tours. Again, which just just it just goes to show you know, artists with much more commercial pull, you know, are, are you know, it, The how, how how widely this sort of thing reson, how resonant this album is. I'm also thinking about another a tweet that I read a couple years ago, it was really funny. It was from Tyler Mahan Coe, who's somebody who tends to be more negative on music than I kind of would prefer. Um, but it's funny sometimes, and he had a great tweet that was something like, Where were you when? <laughs> when, when Jason Molina dropped farewell transmission and rendered three quarters of your record collection, complete, completely obsolete or something like that. You know what I mean? Cause it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just that good. And I, I do love the conclusion of the album as well. And I've talked a lot of the top half, but, um, that huge, that huge, you know, riff in John Henry split my heart. Um, and then hold on Magnolia at the end is more tender. Um, he's a man who had many sides, uh, was very complex and ultimately a very tragic story but he was one hell of a songwriter and this is uh i think his his, his best his magnum opus you use your word um and just some of the best rock music you're, you're gonna hear
0: yeah and this doesn't even get into the sort of like societal reflections uh and the in, in the album, you know, like uh, The Old Black hen is, is very strictly a song about how, uh, you know, if you're in the rat race, that's just where you're going to be for all your days. Um, especially if you are in the part of the country that Jason Molina is from, which is a sort of post-industrial rust belt. And, uh, you know, this this sort of, like other songs, Ohio, Jason Molina, Manoli Electric Company's uh, music sort of all in, encapsulates that that sort of middle to lower class uh working class midwestern depression that sort of um you don't really think about if you're from the suburbs but uh and, and because you, you you generally think of places that you know might have like an old factory or whatever or, you know some yeah. some, some labor drive drying up like not not really being in in the midwest because you know just for whatever reason. So um it's a extraordinary record and, and, and the more we talked about it, the more I think it should be number one on my list. But uh, you know, it, it isn't and um it's not really for any reason because like I said, it could be in any order, this this top three. It's an extraordinary record.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I I do also wanna say, um I do have to shout out I think the song that probably indirectly got me into um, this world. Um, I mean, there were, I always had heard about songs Ohio and I know they early on, I mean, we talked about how, I mean, it's just crazy to think about that. Like, again, I remember digging up an old website that talked about him playing the seventh street entry with Damian Dorado in like 2002, which just sounds nuts in a lot of ways. I know know he had a lot of friends in the industry I met Will Johnson from Centromatic, who's a great. He's just a great all-country songwriter. I didn't say much to him at all. I think i probably just said thank you and took a picture. But I was kind of like, this is as close as I'm ever going to get to Jason Molina, you know, somebody who recorded with him and stuff. But the song I think that got me the most turned on to Jason Molina of of all of these references, um, there's an artist called Strand of Oaks. Um, he's like an indie rock artist more or less from uh, Indiana and so kind of from a similar he kind of he's kind of from a similar background he's a little younger well he's he's younger and he has a song called Jam that's kind of about what's well, explicitly about Jason Molina um, and it's a great guitar rock song I'm not comparing it to to this I mean it's it's a different thing um, but that was a song that definitely. Um inspired me to uh go down the wormhole and help 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 me get it so to speak but once once you go there it's, it's tough to top and I know I've talked a lot about this, but its it's an album that means a lot to me so
0: well hey it's it's a it, like i said it's a great album it makes perfect sense that it means a lot to you and I'm sure for tons of people this is a gateway to i mean i I would say several of the albums that we've we've talked about owe something to this album yeah and one well, of the albums yeah. we're going to talk about also was something to this album, yeah, number two on my list is an inbuilt belt font by Westerman, which I don't know if I ever got you to actually listen to, but Stephen Hayn tweeted about this in like June or something like that he he, he said it was like if Bonavere made a steam album or something like that, or maybe vice versa, I'm not really a sting person, but I do love Bon Iver, and, uh, and then I saw someone mention in the comments on that tweet that James Kripchenia from Big Thief produced and played some drums on the album. So it's like, oh, well, you know, I might, might as well pursue this, and and I, I listened to it as a lot of John Martin, sort of that out there, occasionally synthy folk thing going on. I would say there's some Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel on here um less on the proggy end and more in the just a, a very specific space of 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 moody synthie music. Uh and then obviously plenty of bone of as, as described. And I, I understand the steam thing a bit, but um it's it's an album that I, I I've never like sat down and tried to interpret the lyrics, but it feels very much in the vein of um just personal like suffering and trying to get through it and sort of moving on to different chapters in one's life. There's a a song, um, who I think C, CSI Petrolona, which I think is the most streamed song from this record that by the sound of the lyrics is about like, after breaking up with someone kind of like having one last meeting or something like that to try to be in closure and, um, there are these, like, there's a song about, uh, you know, I, I don't know who I am anymore. And then the backing vocals say, that's okay. And like just some of these, uh, some of these songs are just kind of pinpointed for, for a person like me who had kind of a difficult 2023, but also really likes the sort of elaborate percussion-y, occasionally atmospheric, um yeah out there music that uh, is on this album and i was incredibly impressed with some of the the, the moments on, on this album like the last two songs um the title track and pilot was a dancer are really really cool but also i, I think this is a just the the production as a whole is, is a fantastic if you want to listen to it in the car really loud which is one of the most important tests for an album for me and i don't know just sort of this this uh depressed, folky, new wavy thing um, is, uh, is is really, really my thing. And I, I've never listened to anything this guy has ever done outside of this. And I, I would hope I would listen to something he does in the future. Um, but this was not on my radar in the slightest until I saw one tweet about it, and I dove in headfirst. And I, I really love this album. And uh, if anything I said appeals to anyone listening. Uh, to this podcast, and I, I highly recommend going out and finding it. And I was able to find it uh, on CD at uh, the Electric Fetus in Minneapolis. So, you know, go buy a CD and, and be a nerd like me. But um, any chance you you know this record?
1: I have no 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 frame of reference, but uh, I'm happy for you.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, well, go listen to it. Maybe you'll like it. Sounds good. Anyway, this brings us to number one on my list, an album that I don't think is the best album I listened to this year. In fact, I would rank it probably fourth or fifth. But it's an album who the top half in terms of quality was so exceptionally high, mm-hmm. and that just sort of ingrained itself in my brain to where like almost every single day since like October, I've had one of these songs stuck in my head. And that is The Window by Rat Boys, who we saw play this whole album at uh, the Turf Club a few months ago. And um, I, I think whenever you see a band play, they're really, really good. And I think Rat Boys were really, really good. It sort of brings up your appreciation of them a notch. And for the next few days, it's all you're listening to. And then that snowballs, and suddenly that's all you're listening to. And um you know, whatever just okayness I thought GN had, I I think songs on this album, The Window, Black Earth, Wisconsin, Making Noise for the People You Love, um, uh, Morning Zoo, like, they're they're just fantastic, incredibly warm, bright, fun rock songs um, that, I, I really, really love and like I said, I've had uh I've had these these stuck in my head for for several months now. And uh oh I I um I want you like that's that's another great song. Just a really, really great record in my opinion. Even if I think, you know, two or three songs are not nearly at the same level of quality, it's just um, I, I try to rank these based on favoritism, and I, I can't think there was any other
1: album that was my favorite this year. Yeah, this is a great album. Um, I What I was just saying earlier about GN um, and this album was it's kind of crazy. It's awesome to see. I mean, they felt like a band that had sort of like I use the word lane, where it's like they had a lane, they had sort of a the sound, they had a small audience, you know, playing clubs, or whatever, um doing fine probably just from a you know playing music standpoint <laughs> but this album to me was like i guess the classic like level up album or whatever right where they tapped into something that i i didn't know they had in them just the level of quality and output across a full disc a sound i mean i think a lot of the credit or some of the credit at least, probably has to go to the production. I think it's produced by Chris Wall, who used to be in uh, Death Cab for Cutie. But it's a great—it's uh, a huge, huge-sounding record in some of these songs, um, and very clean, very crisp, uh, very balanced. And, and, of course, the songwriting is just—I I think she's always been a good songwriter to me, but I think these songs are just up there, if not surpassing everything that she's done, she's done before um specifically the window I mean the title track I I, that song to me is just that's probably my favorite new song this year it's really sad obviously when you think about it but it's a beautiful beautiful song you know it rocks well written well played I mean everything about it is just fantastic um like you said Black Earth Wisconsin uh Morning Zoo uh Black Earth Wisconsin I think I made the joke about how like this sort of Went from being an indie rock band to an all-country band to an all-country jam band. I just have to throw that in there because I think it's funny. But it works, right? I mean, they combine all those influences that we didn't even – sometimes didn't even know they had. And, yeah, it's just a – it's a fantastic album. They're a fantastic band, and it seems like it's given them some momentum. I know I saw them on, like – they played, like, CBS Saturday morning or Sunday morning or something this last week. Um, yeah, which, you know, it's not – you know they're probably not open open for Taylor Swift or something, but uh, but it just shows you know this, uh, this album is resonating with people, you know, and that's a good that's a good thing, and I'm so just happy for them and for all the people who get to listen to this awesome music, including myself because it's a great album.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know we saw them at the Turf Club, which is a great place to see a band like that. And I'm, it, it, I don't think it sold out. Um, no. But It feels like their sort of place in the, the indie scene reached a level that they should be playing, you know, maybe a step up. I guess the Turf Club's probably a bit bigger than the entry. Yeah. Um, but depending on who they might tour with next time around, I could see them being at the Palace. Does that seem outlandish, or at least first uh, half?
1: First half, maybe. Um, I know, like, Wednesday, upgrade, their show got upgraded from from Turf Club to First Avenue. I mean, maybe if they were doing like a opening for somebody or co-headlining or something, maybe First Ave, or maybe opening at the Palace for somebody depending on who, I don't know. Um they could certainly certainly would be more than, you know, capable of doing that. And I mean, what's cool too is the sound is so big. I mean, they could fill those rooms, you know. I mean, they could yeah. you know, if people come out, I mean, they're going to crush it. There's I have no doubt about that. <laughs> um but again, before you know, I mean, when I saw them a couple of years ago, they were opening for PUP at the Fine Line, which was cool, um, a fun show. But it just, I'm, it's they've come so far, and it's 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 so good to see.
0: Yeah, and I I really hope they continue this trajectory because, again, I I have not listened to anything but these two albums, and I guess the songs they fit into the show that we saw, but to to go this high, um, you know. It feels like they're hitting their stride, and I and I look forward to, to seeing wherever their stride takes them. Absolutely. Well, our stride has taken us a very long way.
1: Uh, As one might say, where strides the behemoth? Just to shoehorn a mastodon joke in there somewhere. Well,
0: uh, we we've been going once again on the uh, one of the longest podcast we've ever recorded so this may be going up after we have a national champion in the world of college football two national champions in the world of college football because you know the fcs championship is the sunday before the college football playoff championship we will probably talk again in a couple weeks and maybe have a more properly sportsy time Mm -hmm. there'll probably be some gopher basketball to talk about probably some more gophers news because I would hope that two weeks from now, they have a defensive coordinator and a special teams coordinator.
1: Yeah. And help. Anyway,
0: thank you again for always doing this. I I know this is like the the Chandler Aaron zone here, but uh, you don't ever ask me to talk about your favorite albums of 2023.
1: Oh, that'd be a a chaotic mess.
0: It might be, but, um, you know, I'm... I'm glad you're you're willing to, to go through this with me because uh, this is twist
1: wonderful. my arm, twist my arm, make me talk about music. Jeez, you know. Yeah, yeah. So
0: anyway, hope everyone enjoyed this. If you made it to the end, we'll talk to you again soon, and maybe uh, go listen to some of these albums. Yeah,
1: go listen to all.